words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There is a meme going around on Facebook in clergy circles. When God put a calling on your life, he already factored in your stupidity. I replied, most comforting thing I've ever heard. We laugh at the word stupidity, and we also know it's not a nice word. My siblings and I were punished when we were kids if we called someone stupid, and I think that was appropriate. But the meme does get at the limitations we all feel in serving God a lot of the time. We are, after all, human creatures, prone to wander, sinful, selfish, fearful, sometimes just clueless. The world moves so fast, is so complicated. I don't know about you, but I have days where I know my brain is just so oversaturated that I'm overwhelmed. My daily goals and prayer practices that I try to cultivate for a more contemplative life closer to God, sometimes those just get set aside in the midst of the chaos and the busyness. But I know that I am beloved of God. I am. You are. But we are still limited in our ability to follow Jesus perfectly to trust in God's mercy and grace fully, to know even what to pray for sometimes, whom to help, and whether our work serving God and one another is going well or not. So perhaps the quote more accurately should be, when God put a calling on your life, he already factored in your limitations. My friend, Pastor Terry, goes further in writing about this, and she says that God has factored in our desires and failures and successes and trials and inabilities and talents and everything that makes us who we are. And that God then weaves all that together in his purpose for us in serving in our own way with our God-given gifts, we bring God glory. I think it's important to start from this place of acknowledging our own limitations as we approach today's gospel reading. It was a long one, and there's a lot in there. But the primary thrust is about being sent out to heal, proclaim good news of God's faithfulness to a broken and suffering world, and by our witness to affirm the covenant God has with God's people. Now, we often read these sending out stories as being about the original disciples and not us, or about other 
people in other denominations, but not about the Episcopalians. But, my friends, if we believe, as we state, that Scripture is a living text, then they live for us, too. We are called, and the one who created us has already factored in who we are. In the story, Jesus understands the needs of the crowd who came out to see him, and he has compassion for them as he sees how helpless and stressed they are, lost like sheep without a shepherd. They're living under Roman domination, many very poor and oppressed. And so they came out in huge crowds to listen to Jesus, to perhaps be touched by him or to touch him, to be healed. Jesus, in his compassion, also sees that their needs are greater than any one person could possibly tend to on their own. So he remarks, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That familiar metaphor, right, refers to the need for more laborers in God's fields, in God's world. People to bring healing, messages of hope and love to those in need. So in our passage today, he commissions his disciples, the original 12 apostles. He empowers them to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to bring good news to the poor and the suffering. And he's honest, frankly, perhaps too honest, right, about the dangers they will confront as they go forth. Persecution, hatred, floggings, perhaps, maybe even death. Not a good marketing strategy. Now notice, though, that the writer of Matthew makes a point to name these 12 people. Some of them are folks we know better than others, right? There are the original fishermen called from their boats at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Peter and his brother Andrew, James and his brother John. Those are the ones who left their father Zebedee in the boat, remember? There's also Thomas, who along with Peter is usually someone who asks a lot of questions of Jesus when he tells confusing parables or isn't super clear when he talks about who he is and what's going to happen next. We also hear today that among these first apostles, there is Matthew, a tax collector, someone who was complicit with the Roman state and so reviled by many. And Judas, the one who will betray Jesus to the authorities, leading to the crucifixion. None of them perfect people. Some of them a bit clueless, and fearful, just like us. When God put a calling on their lives, he factored in their limitations. 
and sent them out for God's glory, for healing, for drawing together and affirming the covenant community. They were to be witnesses to God's promises, and Jesus told them that the Spirit would be present to them in all of their journeys and tribulations. He knew them well. He loved them as his friends, and he ultimately died for them and for us. St. Paul talked about that in the Romans reading that James just read. Jesus died for the sinners, for us. So what does all of this have to do with us today? At your baptism, God put a calling on your life. He called you beloved and made you for God's glory. Each morning, Jesus beckons each one of us to serve using the gifts we have been given, the particular skills, offerings and prayers, words and songs and hugs that can come only from you. It's not easy. It's not easy to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Our world is distrustful of religion these days. Political division and media hype distort the good news. As Jesus told those original apostles, he sends us out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That doesn't change, right? Sometimes you might be hesitant out there in the world to even say that you are a Christian or that you go to church or that God is at the center of your life or really boldly to say that there is hope and resurrection and new life on offer through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you do talk about these things, you probably won't be flogged or killed, but you might be laughed at or discounted by friends or relatives. In a weird way, it's easier for me and for Christopher and for Reverend Julia because we wear the collar. People kind of expect that stuff from us, right? So it's harder if you don't have the identifying marker. So how do you witness? What will you risk to answer God's call? How do you live in such a way that people see God's love flowing through you? Can you trust? that God knows you and has already factored in your belovedness and your limitations so that you are particularly equipped for your ministry, always accompanied by the Holy Spirit who is as near as your next breath. Community helps. Being here together on Sundays regularly strengthens our faith. It gives us time to encourage each other. And in this community, we serve others 
through our feeding ministries, our healing prayers, our work for racial justice, our support for AA and Al-Anon and other community groups, to name only a few things that happen here at Trinity. Conversation and prayer help too. Please reach out to me anytime and to your friends who might help you discern ways you may be particularly called to serve in your particular way using your particular gifts. At our vestry retreat back in February, we challenged one another to imagine what Trinity would be like if everyone did the thing they love. No long lists of we need seven people for this and five people for that and please sign up and all that. What if everybody just did what they love? How could that work? What are you passionate about? Big things, tiny things. What makes you excited and eager to serve? Gardening? Greeting people on Sundays and at funerals? Parish care, healing prayer, arranging flowers, visiting the sick? Social justice? Nurturing our young people in their new faith. Praying the prayer list. There are so many ways to answer. Opportunities to show God's love flowing through you. How can your clergy and one another, this community, how can we support you in your ministry going forward? I believe Jesus' call to be a laborer in God's kingdom is for each of us. And I believe that Jesus knows us and loves us and trusts us to use our imperfect human selves in the service of others to God's glory. So let us be bold and brave, wise and humble as we move forward in faith in this place in this season. May it be so.